This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible, and especially are we delighted to have those watching today who may have never seen the telecast before. I want to urge you to stay tuned today. We have a very challenging subject. We're going to talk about our faith, the victory of faith. Please stay tuned. Now today on Getting to Know Your Bible, we are offering a free Bible correspondence course. We want you to know more about the course and how you can receive it. We're going to take a brief pause. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence Course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. I want to read a passage today from the book of 1 John chapter 5 and verse number 4. 1 John chapter 5 and 4. Whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. We're living in some very unusual days. We're living in times of doubt, skepticism, just outright infidelity. I've often thought that if there was ever a time that we needed to have a strong, unswavering faith, it's in the days in which we live. Faith like Abraham, of whom it is said in Romans the fourth chapter, verses 20 and 21, that he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith giving glory unto God that what he had, had promised he was able also to perform. Abraham had strong, unwavering faith, unstaggering faith. And we need that today. I don't know of any way to overemphasize the importance of faith in our lives. First of all, it is important to have faith if we're going to please God. And of course we want to please God. The Bible teaches us in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6, Without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of all of them that diligently seek Him. The importance of faith is also seen in the fact that we are to live our lives by faith. Romans 1.17 reads that the just shall live by faith. Furthermore, we are to conduct ourselves by faith. 2 Corinthians 5 and 7 says we walk by what? By faith and not by sight. So faith is important. But yet another reason that I would suggest that faith is so important to us is because we are involved in a battle of faith, a fight of faith. When Paul wrote to the young evangelist by the name of Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and 12, 
He told him, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. So we're in a battle today. And our, our enemy is Satan himself. Hence, we need to have a faith that will overcome. Someone may say, but in what are we to have faith? Well, first of all, I've already suggested that we must have faith in God. We must believe that He is, that God exists. Secondly, Jesus is our uh, object of our faith as well. In John chapter 8 and verse 24, uh, Jesus said, Except you believe that I am He, you will die in your sins. So there are at least two things we must have faith in, Jesus and God. But what do we mean when we use that word faith? Just suppose that, that you and I were able to con communicate with one another. And, and I were to ask you to tell me, what do you think is the definition of faith? I have an idea that someone will say, well, you know, Billy, faith is just having confidence in, in someone or something, or, or, or faith is trusting in someone or something. Well, of course, those are definitions of faith to, to an extent. But, but I don't know about you, but I prefer Bible definitions, don't you? In the Bible, in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1, the Bible gives this definition of faith. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Well, here's the way that I explain it so I can understand it. Faith is believing in the reality of the things that you cannot see with the human eye. Someone says, well, now that's impossible. Because you cannot believe in something you cannot see. Well, I'd suggest to you there are lots of things that we believe in, we have faith in, that we're not able to see with the human eye. Have you ever seen a thought? I've never seen a thought. And yet I suggest that you're possibly having a thought right now. I hope you're having good thoughts right now. We have thoughts, but we don't see them. What about the air that we breathe? Were it not for the air we breathe, we would not be living. And yet that's another thing we believe in that we cannot see. Now think about the law of gravity. Just think about that. Have you ever seen gravity? I've never seen it, but I've seen it demonstrated. The very fact that I'm able to stand here is testimony to the fact that the law of gravity exists. Were it not for the gravitational pull on my body, I'd just be floating around up here and there. Wouldn't that be a, a, a wonderful sight to see? So there are lots of things in life where we believe in we're not able to see. Someone says, I just don't know about that. I, I'm just not certain about that. Many years ago, there was a preacher by the name of Joe Warlick. And I mean, when I say years ago, it was back in the day when preachers would ride trains to go to their preaching appointments. And, and he went down to the, uh, the depot to get a train to go to his preaching appointment. And there was an unbeliever there, an atheist, an avowed atheist there to catch the train as well. As they were standing there, there was a little boy that walked by and he had his Bible in his hand. 
And the, and the atheist called out to him. He said, say, son, what's that you have there in your hand? He said, my Bible, sir. He said, where are you going? He said, I'm going to Sunday school, sir. Well, he said, son, you don't believe in, in God, do you? He said, yes, sir. He said, have you ever seen God? Well, he said, no, sir. Have you ever smelled God? No, sir. You ever tasted God? No, sir. You ever touched God? No, sir. Almost had the little boy in tears. And Brother Warlick spoke up and said, Sir, you are a man, and I am a man, and that's just a little boy. Sir, address yourself to me. Sir, do you have a mind? He said, oh, of course I have a mind. Sir, have you ever seen your mind? Well, no. Have you ever smelled your mind? Well, no. Have you ever tasted your mind? Well, no. Have you ever touched your mind? He said, no, and the atheist was getting a little bit irritated. He said, sir, by the same logic you're using to prove there is no God, I can prove you don't have a mind. Faith is believing in the reality of what we cannot see. And our faith in the reality of what we cannot see is based on evidence or testimony. And the evidence or testimony for our faith in God, our faith in Jesus, our faith in the Holy Spirit, our faith in the spirit world, our faith in angels, our faith in heaven, our faith in hell, it's based on certain evidence or testimony. And that evidence or testimony is the Bible. Romans 10, 17 reads, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. You, you see, faith is built upon the Word of God. I sometimes refer to it as the fountain of our faith. It is by studying the Bible that we have faith in God, faith in Jesus Christ. I might observe all the things around us and see uh, the, the evidence of design around us, and I might just assume that there are hundreds of designers. But it's by studying the Bible that I learn that there's just one designer. That one designer is God. So the Bible is our source of our faith. We need strong faith in these days. I want to suggest to you that we need to be instilling strong, unyielding faith in our children today. And, and our, our children are so desperately in need of it because of the challenges they're going to face in their lifetime. But the text that I read earlier said, this is the victory that overcomes the world. Well, what is the victory that overcomes the world? That word overcome suggests the, your ability to knock the weapon out of the hand of the enemy. And the, the, the enemy that we have, of course, is Satan. And the weapon that we have to disarm our enemy is our faith. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. But what does faith help us to overcome? Well, let's think about something. It helps us to overcome our doubts. It helps us to overcome our distrust. Faith helps us to overcome our disbelief. So someone wrote that there are 175 million atheists in the world. I, I smile at that because I don't think anyone knows how many atheists there are in the world. 
and I don't put a great deal of stock in statistics because statistics change almost every day just like the stock market. So I don't know how anyone would know how many atheists there are in the world. I would suggest that one might be one too many. It based on the evidence that we have in the Bible. But, but I, don't, I know this. There are many people who have doubts in their minds. They, they say, I believe in God, but I just have some doubts. I'm just not sure. I'm not sure about God. I'm not sure about the credibility of the Bible. I'm, I'm just not sure. Well, how are we going to overcome our doubts? How are we going to overcome the distrust we might have even of the credibility of the Word of God? There was a man by the name of Alexander Smith who said, The saddest thing that can befall a man is when he loses faith in God and in woman. He said, Lost I these gems, I would go wandering back into my childhood, searching for them with tears. I think I'll have to agree with him. I think the saddest thing that ever could happen to an individual is when they lose their faith in God Almighty and their faith in humanity. We need to have great faith in God today. There was a preacher who was a uh, well-known in churches of Christ. His name was Batsel Barrett Baxter. For many years, he was a speaker on a nationally televised uh, program in the United States. But he wrote a book entitled, I Believe Because. And in the preface of that book, he told about a student of his that when he was a, a Bible teacher in a university, and this student went off to graduate school. And when he went off to graduate school, he lost his faith. He came back and he was talking to Brother Baxter and Brother Baxter finally asked him this question. In view of the fact that you no longer believe in God, what do you see for the future? And that young man replied, nothing. Could I ask you what you see for the future? You see, in the place of our distrust, our disbelief, our doubts, let us have faith in the person of God. The opening sentence of your Bible reads like this, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I don't know of a more logical explanation for the existence of our world than Genesis 1 and verse 1. You see, we need to have faith in the, in the person of God, the reality of God, and what God accomplished in this world. Psalms 19 and 1 tells us that the heavens declare the glory of God and the, and the firmament shows His handiwork. You see, God is a great God. He is an awesome God. I want to read a passage to you from the book of Hebrews. It's found in the third chapter of Hebrews in verse number 4. Every house is built by some man. Now that's just common sense, isn't it? And, and, and I must say God expects us to use common sense in studying the Bible. He said every house is built by some man. 
that this building in which I'm standing today, where we're preparing this program for your viewing, was built by someone. Suppose the, the people who are here helping me today were to say the, re the way we got this building is we had a prayer meeting, there was a puff of smoke, and then this building appeared. You would think I was insane if I were to tell you I believe that. Because every house is built by someone. Every building that has ever been constructed has design to it. And design presupposes a designer. But let me finish that verse. He says, every house is built by some man, but he that built all things is God. God is the creator behind everything. He is the one who built the universe. Imagine a pilot taking off in his plane. He's flying out over the ocean. And then he radios back to the tower and he says, You know, that there's an island down there that's not on our charts. And so they tell him, Why don't you go down and investigate and see if there's anyone living on that island? So he turns around in the plane and he comes back and he flies over that little island, almost the tops of the trees. And this is what he reports back. There's a little cottage down there. There's a sidewalk going up to the front door of that little cottage. There are flowers that are blooming alongside that sidewalk. And it just appears to me that there's a garden growing in the backyard of that little village, of that little cottage. Now let me ask you, what is he going to report back? Is there someone living on that island or not? Is there any evidence down there that someone has, is living there or has lived there? We said, of course there's evidence. Well, what's the evidence? There's a house down there. You know that house didn't build itself. There's a sidewalk. There are flowers planted. There's a garden growing. You see, every house is built by someone. And when you think about all of the design there is around us today, all the design in the universe today, it points to the fact that God made it all. In the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. Not only do we need more faith in the, in the person of God, we need to have more faith in the presence of God. Where is God? I want to tell you, you can't put God in a box you can't put God in a building. You cannot confine Him. Because He is a God who is here, who is there, who is everywhere. Proverbs 15 and 3 says, The eyes of the Lord in every place, beholding the evil and the good. God is everywhere. That is, He is omnipresent, ever-present. And to me, that's a comforting thought to think that my God is a God who is always near. He made this promise to His children, found in Hebrews, the 13th chapter and verse 5, I will never leave you nor forsake you. We need to have more faith in that. His divine presence in our lives. Some of you possibly live alone. 
You may live alone because you've never married. You may live alone because you're divorced. You may live alone because you've had a, the loss of a spouse. I had one woman tell me one day, Brother Lambert, and she was a widow. She said, Brother Lambert, I may live alone, but I am never lonely. And we should never feel that we are lonely because of the divine presence of a mighty God. I, I, I wish I had the ability to tell you how powerful and mighty God really is. And when God makes a promise, He keeps it. And when He promised, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you, He means it. I think about Paul when he was in prison. And he was writing this letter to Timothy. It's called 2 Timothy, and it's in the fourth chapter. And in the 16th verse, Paul said, All men forsook me. But in the, the, the 17th verse, with the next sweep of the pen of inspiration, Paul said, But the Lord stood with me. And when you feel like you've been forsaken by all people, all your friends have forsaken you, maybe you've been betrayed by someone, and it makes you have this feeling of loneliness, be assured of the presence of God Almighty. We need to have more faith in the precepts of God. Paul was on a ship. Paul was on his way to Rome. Now, God had made a promise to Paul. He said, now, Paul, I want you to know there's not going to be any loss of life on this ship. I want you to know you're going to Rome. That was God's promise. So in the midst of this storm, the, the sailors were just, I can just see their knees almost knocking together. But Paul said to them, as found in Acts 27, 25, Sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. Well, what were you told? None of us are going to die and we're going to Rome. Guess what? The safest place for those sailors during the midst of that storm was in that ship. Because God said, you're going to Rome. And so God's, God is the God who is looking after us every day of our lives. We need to have more faith in His precepts. And when God says something, we need to believe it. We ought to have more faith in the promises of God. And what I just said sort of overlaps with His promises. He is a promise-making God. Peter described God's promises in 2 Peter 1, 4 as being exceeding great and precious promises. They're precious promises. They're great promises. They're exceeding great and precious promises. And I like the passage over in 1 Kings 8, 56. It says that there's not one word of all of His great promise that has ever failed. When God makes a promise, he keeps them. You see, the, the worth of a promise is really not any better than the integrity of the person that's making that promise. Some people may make a promise, but they have no intention of ever keeping that promise. But you see, God keeps His promises. In Titus 1 and 2, the Bible says, "In God, in hope of eternal life, in which God who cannot lie promised before the world began. Folks, let's have more faith in God's promises. But let's have faith in His providence. All things work together. Paul said, we know that all things work together for good 
to them that love the Lord, to them that are the called according to His purpose. You see, God providentially works in the lives of those who love Him. Paul is not affirming in that passage that, that all things work together for good in the lives of wicked people or disobedient people. He's talking about people that love the Lord. People that have been called by the gospel to serve Him. And he said all things work together for good. Sometimes we don't see it at first. I think about Joseph. Joseph was sold by his brothers into Egyptian slavery. And while they were waiting for the slave traders to come by, they put him in a hole in the ground. I cannot imagine Joseph sitting in that hole and leaning up against the, the side of that hole and folding his arms and saying, you know, this is a terrible thing my brother's done to me, but I know that someday it's going to be for my benefit. I don't think he thought that for a minute. He likely thought, I've been betrayed by my flesh and blood. This is the worst thing that has ever happened to me. But years later, years later, after Joseph had been elevated to the a second position of authority in the land of Egypt after Joseph had prepared for a famine that was coming. And Jacob, his father, thinking Joseph was dead, sent his brothers to the land of Egypt to get food for their families. That's in Genesis 42. And after they appeared before Joseph and he revealed himself to them, they thought they were done for. But Joseph said, You meant it for evil. God meant it for good. You see, all things work together for good. I want to thank you for watching Getting to Know Your Bible today, and I would urge you to call for the free Bible correspondence course. Furthermore, I'd encourage you to visit the Church of Christ in your community. And if you're not certain where the church is located, if you will call us, then we will give you the address of that church. We want to thank you again for watching today, and we trust that you will watch every time we come on the air. Let me urge you, call for that Bible course. Literally thousands and thousands of people have already taken that course. We want you to learn more about the Bible. And the way we learn more about the Bible is by studying it. I want to thank you for watching today, and until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you. We want to help you as much as possible in your search for a personal relationship with God. You can now easily access our free Bible correspondence course online at gettingtoknowyourbible.com. If there's any way we can help you grow closer to God, please email us at gettingtoknowyourbible at yahoo.com. Or call us anytime at 1 Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible. 
P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible.